Hey, well, I'm here with a great friend of mine, Garth Ball, who is um, husband, father, pastor, so many hats he wears, which is amazing. So Garth, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself so people who may not know you, even though you sure. were here not that long ago with us, yep. people might not have been there that Sunday, but um, tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, well, hey, Jazz, hey, uh, C3 Coff, so good to be with you this morning. Um, as has been said, my name's Garth and my wife and I lead uh, C3 People in Meriwether and also C3 Nairobi in Kenya. We moved to Kenya about six years ago to start a C3 church there and have since come back to take on the location here in Australia. Uh, we came back to have our first uh, child, my daughter Elsie, who is just over two now and is a bundle of, so of joy. What an age that is. It's uh, so oh, much yeah. fun. So yeah, between uh, those things, also studying at the moment, between uh, pastoring, studying, husband and father, that sort of keeps me on my toes. Do you, you know, there was a thing invented in the early 70s called um, sleep. Um, have you ever experienced that? <laughs> uh, I, I, I used to. I do recall uh, days where um, sleep was a reality. Um, yeah. But yes, it, it's, uh, it's a figment of my imagination at this point. Oh gosh! So we've we've been we've been talking in um our church over the last couple of weeks um around the idea of peace, and um especially now for us, and I suppose the same for you guys in Newcastle. Although probably you've been have this ongoing more so than we have here, moving from that anticipation of COVID to the arrival of COVID, and everyone's getting it and getting sick, and everyone's worried. And um, am I going to get it? I am get it. How sick am I going to get? All these sorts of things. And so we've been just channeling down into um peace walking at what is peace we looked at how to find peace and then what peace actually is and so we did in um in our first week we broke down a little bit of uh, philippians 4 which says um don't be anxious for anything but through everything through prayer and supplication let your requests be known to god and so i'm thinking just diving a little bit deeper today with you and i wanted to get you in to share some thoughts because you you talk a lot into this space and we've got a lot to say about this um just around that thought of, of don't be anxious for anything um, because yes. it seems like this concept of anxiety is, is one of the blockages that we would face or one of the um, barricades to experiencing peace, this peace that God has promised for us. Um, yeah, anxiety can be a real blockage to that. So um, I know you work a lot in this space. You've developed a course to help people with this. Uh, you yourself have got firsthand um experience with this so i want to first ask you this question maybe you could off off the cat first cab off the rank is help us clarify what is anxiety yeah yeah it's really really good question because often our uh english language uh tries to use the same word for very different experiences and yeah. so anxiety for me you know i'm i'm not a, a psychologist or a counselor but uh, as I said, a pastor who has experienced this and, and dive deeply into trying to understand the nature of anxiety, particularly for my own life, in order for me to personally walk through that uh, and then in order to help people that I minister to as well. But um, it's important to note that for me, I'm not, you know, this is probably a bit of a shallow answer, but the, the best way that I have learned to understand anxiety is differentiating between clinical anxiety and circumstantial anxiety. So all of us are familiar with circumstantial anxiety, the lack of peace or absence of peace that rises up in our soul due to a particular circumstance uh, in our life, relational challenge, a financial challenge, a health issue, 
um, all of us experience that. And when we experience that, uh, the key part of anxiety is our fight, flight, or and freeze, fawn response, our stress response, how we respond to danger, perceived threat. And so with circumstantial anxiety, we see a circumstance that is a, a threat to us. Um, our body responds appropriately. You know, our heart rate might, might increase. Um, you know, we get sweaty hands, whatever that might be. Uh, and that once the circumstance is resolved, uh, our body returns to a, a, you know, normal sort of space. Uh, all of us have experienced that from time to time, a, a speech in public where we get a dry throat or whatever it might be. Um, but when it comes to uh, clinical anxiety, when we're talking about anxiety disorders, it's a different situation. And, and that same system, the fight flight response that, uh, that all of us use, thank God for it too, by the way, when it's working properly, it, it's, it protects us, it helps us resolve problems. But when, when it comes to a clinical anxiety and it gets into the zone where we start talking about anxiety disorders, it's as if that stress response gets stuck in the on position. And during my time of looking into this, um, I, I've come across the Calm Clinic who identify uh, not just five or six symptoms of anxiety in, in your body, as you would have with circumstantial anxiety, but 241 things wow. that can happen in your body um, wow. when that stress response gets stuck in the on position. And some of them are the familiar ones that we all know and others are just really rare. And the problem with these symptoms in our body is they often make you think you're going crazy or you're going to die. It's a very, very scary experience. It's not just like um, uh, these you know, people with an anxiety disorder uh, are just like all of us and they're a bit more sensitive. They just need to chill out a little bit more. Something happens on a physical level in your body that is terrifying. And mm. that, that, that um, one of the most interesting things about this is, the, is what um, psychologists call a fear of fear response. And that is most people with an anxiety disorder, uh, the, the thing that triggered that probably is a distant memory for the person. They're not worried about the thing that initially maybe triggered anxiety in their life, but it's the fear of what anxiety fe feels like. It's the fear of anxiety itself. Wow. Self uh, triggers this perpetual cycle. So it's the, the, the feeling of anxiety that is so scary um, that causes mm. more anxiety in the first place. And so, um, and, and so what happens then just to finish off a thought on this is that the body starts doing things, even when the mind isn't worried. Mm. Mm. And so that's why people try and differentiate and they use different words for maybe uh, worry and anxiety. And, you know, the worry is about the circumstances, but anxiety is a, is a deeper thing. And so, um, you know, for me personally, you, you, in my experience, you, you might be doing something in your life. You're not worried about anything in your mind, but your body starts doing things uh, that are really scary. And that makes it more terrifying because it's stuck in the on position your fight flight response is trying to look and perceive and, and it becomes hyper vigilant um, or, or oversensitive to danger. And so it might, you know, something that you don't feel is dangerous tells your body that it's danger and your body starts kicking into that fight flight response, even when it's not a real danger. And so mm. I think that's important to note that people watching here today um, will, will likely fall into broadly speaking, one of those two categories that, 
um, that yeah. there is circumstances in life that steal peace and that we need to figure out how to deal with those things, how to move through those circumstances. Other people will be experiencing an anxiety disorder of some form. Uh, about up to 20% of the population these days experiences that and, uh, and need to figure out not just how to overcome different circumstances, but how to deal with this overactive stress response in their body. That's, that's huge. And I think I love everything you've just said there. And I love the fact that you brought so much clarity because I think that seems to be one of the biggest issues is we have one word, anxiety, to describe right. so many different you know, responses and things. That's right. But, yeah. but that, that category of circumstantial and clinical, I think, helps us go, okay, is this major or is this you know, temporary? Um, yeah. that's, that's really helpful. Um, if I could be so bold... Hmm. I mean, you're pretty open about this sort of stuff. You've, you've faced this head on yourself. Um, yeah. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, I'll try and keep it um, brief, not to avoid transparency, but uh, to for the sake of our time we have together today, because this has been probably a, it'll be five years this year since this hit me in a big way. And the first two or three of those were really, really dark uh, moments in my life. And I think um, when, when I track back uh, to my life, I see a lot of uh, disposition towards fear and anxiety that I um, really overcame when I came to Christ and God took me on a journey of becoming more like Jesus, you know, our sanctification, our, you know, getting rid of the old ways of thinking and feeling that, uh, you know, that sin produces in our lives to become the transformed version of us. And you know, God took me on a beautiful journey um, in my life, you know, in my early 20s of breaking out of that sort of thing. And so I thought that, you know, yeah, I was a bit of a fearful person, but, you know, God delivered me from all that. I'm good now. I'm a man of faith now. Let's move to Africa, plant a church and let's, you know, take on the yeah. world. And that was my reality for probably around uh, a good 10 years. And then halfway through our time in, in Nairobi, there was just a trigger point. And if I look back to it, there was a buildup of a whole lot of things that we, you know, we can talk about uh, in the rest of the session, but you know, my thinking started getting negative again. Um, I, I saw, I saw patterns in my mind looking back that were leading up to this point. And then I, I got sick one day, I got salmonella one day and it just sort of triggered this panic within my soul of, Oh my gosh, I'm going to die. And so it was almost like that, that isn't an issue in my life now, obviously that circumstance, but it, triggered something in on the inside of me that I that I wasn't expecting that I didn't know that I was teetering on the edge of and it started producing um, all these symptoms in my body and so the, the problem was for probably a year and a half I didn't know what I was experiencing I thought I was facing a medical condition so I'd been to uh, neurologists um, for tingling and things in my body that I that was scaring me I'd been to uh, uh, do the lung tests because of shortness of breath and and things like that and and you know I had a great GP who was who was trying to work with me to figure out what was happening to me and we thought it was complications from salmonella and um, after a long process it suddenly dawned and it became more apparent that actually what was happening in my body was not complications of an antibiotic or a or a disease it was it was an anxiety disorder. Uh, in, in my life. And so that, that was very eye-opening. But I tell you, some of those times, and, the, and, and even now when I've got to a point where I've reduced the level of anxiety in my life, 
it's easy to forget just how dark those times were. And that's why I'm really big on trying to help us have empathy for people experiencing this, even if we haven't experienced it, because it is terrifying. I remember, mm. um, you know, one particular time I went to the GP uh, in Nairobi um, to try and figure out what was going on i had reflux and other things and, and again i didn't know that that was related to anxiety i remember she prescribed me some anxiety medication and my i'm experiencing anxiety i'm driving home in peak hour traffic in nairobi which is let me tell you not a, a fun experience let alone getting pulled over by traffic police who when you're feeling anxious and they're trying to get some money out of you and take you back to the police station until you're going to be in court on monday oh, wow. when you're having an anxiety attack um, I remember the car just closed in on me. I had to get out of the car and, uh, and then some, you know, that's a long, that's a long story. We got out of it anyway. And I got home two hours later trying to figure out, do I take this anxiety med medication? What's going on? That was probably like one of the low points of my life where my body is doing things where I feel out of control. I feel like I'm going to die. I feel like something is significantly wrong. I've got all these decisions to make about how to deal with it. I'm in a foreign culture where, uh, authority figures are intimidating me and all that. So, so that was, you know, and I could talk here for the next three hours of moments like that, where I had to leave conversations where I had to get my wife to finish the altar call for me because I was so out of breath uh, of anxiety after messages. And, and so there was a lot of dark, dark days where I didn't know what was happening, but then once I recognized it for what it was, I went on a, an intentional, uh, intense, journey of going, I need to understand what this is. Mm. I need to understand what anxiety is. I need to understand my personal journey with anxiety and I need to get rid of this from my life. And I think that's the key thing is that uh, a lot of people, some people will experience anxiety for their life. It's something that they manage. It's something that, that, that will be part of their story, but I don't think we need to resolve to that point. There is hope. I believe as mm. Christians, we need to believe that God has the wisdom, the insight, the power, the, the, the grace to lead us into, if not a complete freedom from it, at least a significant victory over it in our lives. And so that's, that's my story of the past um, yeah. four years is of identifying, uh, learning, diving into that and changing the way I live in order to release peace in my soul so that I don't have to live with that, um, at least to the degree that I did for uh, two to three years. Wow. I, I love that, man. I, I love that you're so honest about that journey that, you know, it was dark and then light and then dark and then light for the last, you know, four or five years. It wasn't like, oh, I just gradually got out and now I'm fine. There was moments of relapse yeah. and reoccurrence. Yeah. And, and I think most people would relate to that because that's, you know, sure. um, but oftentimes we're not talking about this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, could you describe for us, because um, I know this will be really helpful for so many people, um, the process that you went through um, mm. and maybe processes that other people could consider for themselves facing similar sorts of things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so I think if the issue is, and, and these things are good for all of us um, in the way that we live, you know, I love the thought of the, the scripture that's sort of been on my heart for uh, our church this year is, is Matthew 11 and I know you're probably a big fan of the message version, but, um, you know, it's love you, Gene. Uh, love it. Good. <laughs> <laughs> what about the, you know, I bring out the passion translation for you. Uh, no, I love the penny. 
Um, so but it says, I, for the record, I do love the message. For the record, I do. I love. Okay, it. yeah, good. Well, I, you know, who NT Wright says doesn't matter which two, but as long as you're reading two at a time, just read some different versions, and they're all useful in their own way. So, anyway, we'll just clear that up, tidy that up there. So, um, you know, it talks about Jesus saying, "Come to me, let me teach you." And, and, you know, the message says, uh, walk with me and work with me and I'll show you the unforced rhythms of grace. And so I think this thought of how we live, letting Jesus actually teach us, not just information, not just concepts, but something that leads us to live differently. And so um, how I learned to live differently in different ways, this will help uh, people with clinical anxiety, but it'll help all of us who live in a climate of anxiety where the messages that we are receiving on media and everywhere we go is fear. All of us would do well to um, dive into these different areas of our life and, and hear these things and, and put them into practice. So um, just briefly on, uh, you know, like a clinical anxiety, if the problem stems from a stress response that is stuck in the on position, like my my friend's old Tirana that he had in high school where he would turn the car on, take the key out and the car would still run. That's like the, 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 <laughs> the um, that would be like the anxiety, the stress response stuck on uh, in the on position. Yeah. Well, if that's the problem, we need to learn how to turn it off again. How do we mm. get it back to the point where it's serving us, not hindering us? How do we get it back to the point where it protects us, where it gives us the ability to problem solve and remove from danger and get it back to the original design that God had for us. Well, that's our key. How do we do that? And so um, when I was looking at the nature of anxiety and some of the things we've already talked about, and I looked at uh, particularly some key voices and organizations who try and define mental health and what that is, I noticed that um, there was, there's no real definition of this is what mental health is, but I did notice that there are six areas in our life that directly influence uh, our level of mental wellness or illness. And so for me, I'm really passionate about seeing a holistic approach to uh, how we live to help bring this peace. It's not like, you know, us Christians, we tend to over-spiritualize things. We go, well, you just need to pray more and read your word more and just stop worrying. And, there's an element yeah. of that that is really helpful, but it's not the only thing. And so um, the six Correct. areas, I, I just went about going, okay, what do I do in every, every one of these six areas of my life that can release peace of God and mm. resist the anxiety that the enemy would want to, um, you know, to fester within my soul. And so, uh, I, you know, the, all of these, I unpack these in, you know, about 20, 25 minutes each in, in the course that I've created. But, you know, our intellectual world is the first one, our, our thoughts. And I think you've talked about this recently. Think about what you're thinking about, you know, the, 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 re, the renewing of our mind and intentionally changing the way we think. For me, it's the biggest element of my journey over anxiety. When I'm thinking well, cool. it flows on to the rest of my life. When I'm thinking negatively, I can change many things in my life, but if that doesn't change, the rest is meaning, meaningless. We have to get our thoughts right. Bible says, fix your thoughts and set your mind on things that are above, of things that are, are good. And so we need good. to develop a discipline yeah. and, and a muscle of thinking about what we're thinking about, um, of recognizing negative thinking, rejecting neg negative thinking and replacing it with thoughts that God would have for us. So there's a bit of a process mm. there. Uh, our emotional world. So 
the, if our thoughts are like the gateway to our soul, what we do with our thoughts determines what happens in our emotions. So, um, you know, our emotional world is really important. They, our emotions shouldn't drive our car, the, the, the car, but they shouldn't be chucked in the trunk either, in the boot. You know, two mm. mistakes we make, we let our emotions dictate our life or we just toss them aside and put them aside and, and think that they're ungodly and, and not good. But as I was reading, as I started to read through the Bible in a year this year, I just read through the story of Joseph and he, he wept at least seven times in the process of him reconciling with the brothers through to the point of his father dying. And one of them, he wept so loudly that everyone around got his attention. And so he's a, he's a significant figure, mm. but there was a, and he didn't just go, oh, I forgive you guys. Yep. Let's just move on. He emotionally went through a process. And so I, I think that all of us, no matter how good our upbringing was, our past influences, our emotional world that will be a ceiling for the rest of our life. And that's why Pete Scazzaro, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, yeah. all this stuff is really important. It's not the only yeah. thing, but it's part of the story. So I had yeah. to deal with my thoughts, my emotions, uh, my physical world. What we do physically um, tells our body whether it can be at peace or not. So uh, if we are, what we eat and drink is important. When I, I just know these days that I can't have more than three shots of coffee a day. I can do two easily. I can press three. But if I start hitting the four, it tells my body that it, it just mm. gets me aggravated. I can't handle it. So uh, I watch what I ate, what I drank, uh, natural supplements for uh, things that just release peace into my body. Um, breathing exercises. When I relax my muscles, when they get tense, when I relax them and I breathe, uh, it says to my body, you can be at peace. Whereas if I don't do things like that, my muscles tense up, my being gets short and my body thinks it's under, under stress and it's, there's danger around. Uh, there's so much um, in, in the physical area that we can do. There's a particular app uh, that my psychologist got me onto with um, uh, uh, EMDR, I think it's called EMDR. I keep getting a uh, bit back to front with that one. E EMDR, EDMR uh, is uh, this. Trust whatever you say. EMDR, <laughs> eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Anyway, it's this creepy I was, guy. I was going to say that. It's a creepy guy on the uh, on the app that and that has a, a click on either side of your ear, and he's just talking you through it. And something about that app was the only thing that got me out of an anxiety attack. It really worked, and so it just doing that. If I was in a dark moment, doing that for ten minutes switch it off. I don't know how it works. The psychologists do, but it really was helpful. So physical world, um, the spiritual world, uh, and, uh, in, in our, on the central coast here, um, an non-Christian psychologist, uh, said, um, that he thinks malevolent psychic forces are involved in ongoing mental suffering. And so what wow. he's picking up is going that, I don't get it. I'm not a spiritual person, but there's something not natural when someone is in an ongoing space of that. And I think, um, although we can't put all our eggs in the spiritual side, you can't just pray more, just rebuke the devil. If you definitely need to, there is a devil mm. who um, wants us to experience an absence of peace, all the good things that God has for us. He wants the opposite. And so anxiety and fear, there is a spirit of fear. And we need to recognize that our spiritual journey is, we can't just put it down to all the other stuff. This is a vitally, vitally important part of our walk into peace as well. Receiving, uh, you know, 2 Thessalonians 3.16 says, may the God of peace himself give you his peace 
at all times and in every situation, which is just an incredible prayer of the reality yeah. that we can, can walk in. Um, our relational world, uh, having uh, an inner circle, friends, pastors, counselors. Um, my osteo has been a big part of that. He understands what stress does to the body and he helps yeah. counter that. That's cool. My GP that I talked about who would email me from overseas um, in my dark moments and bring peace to me. He passed away um, last year. I, I wept for about 30 minutes um, when I reflected on the, wow. the gift he was from God to me. He got me through some dark days from him willing to email me from Australia when I was unsure of what was happening. Go, hey, this is happening to my body. What do I do? And, um, and so wow. I, when he passed away, I, I wept for 30 minutes. He was such a meaningful part of my life for a long time. Um, and then our relation, our vocational world, our work is a huge part of our mental mm. wellness. And so how we uh, deal with our schedule, how we deal with the annoying boss or coworker, how we deal with conflict, uh, pushing the limits of our margin in our spiritual, uh, sorry, in our vocational life is a, for me, a really big part. So those six areas are really, they all play a part of the story for me. It's not just we'll do one or the other. Um, mm. Medication is not a right or wrong answer in the journey with anxiety with someone with an anxiety disorder. For some person, someone, it's a really godly thing to do. For someone else, it's not. It's not a silver bullet though. Everything that I've read yeah. says you don't just forget all these other things. Medication takes the edge off it so you can do these other things. Uh, so right. if someone's taking medication for anxiety, all this is very relevant. You've got to do this as well as that to mm. strengthen those muscles and to release peace. So yeah, there's a lot that we can do to push back anxiety and release peace to every part of our, our, our human experience to walk in the peace that God has for us. And that was my journey for the last three years. I've, I've been yeah. trying to do that. I love it. I think too, like I love the practicality of what you're saying. And I think um, oft oftentimes people with anxiety, um, they don't know where it comes from. It just it comes out of nowhere. It can sort of blindside them. But I think if, if we're actively aware of those six areas, in particular our health and things like that, then we give ourselves at least a fighting chance totally. to, to, to tackle it well. Um, yeah. And so being as, as generally healthy as we can in all those areas, um, I think is, is so important just to, to focus and, on. Yeah, totally. And you've got to have certain attitudes because you can... You can sit back and go, well, this is just how I'm wired. This is my reality. But mm. um, you got to have some tenacity to get back up and go again. There's nothing yeah. that probably one of the hardest parts of my journey has been when you start doing well for a bit and then you relapse and you feel discouraged. Yeah. The enemy says you should be better than this. Uh, yeah. You know, you thought you were, you were okay and now you're not again. you got to have some tenacity and courage on the inside of you to yeah. get back up and go again, um, to to seek out like this is active stuff this isn't just this isn't going to mm. fall on your lap you need to go and pursue these things in your yeah. life and make the changes um you need a car yeah all these things in in your life you need to have certain attitudes to not just resign to the fact my current level thing is this if if, if i have to navigate this rest of my life so be it but it's not my intention yeah. i'm going to target it as if i'm going to defeat it and yes i'm going to have to That's live awesome. in a particular way to stay on top of it but I'm not going to resign myself to the fact that, oh, well, this is just who Garth is now and I may as well just learn to live with it. No, no, no. I'm going to cut this giant's head off and God's yeah, going cool. to awesome. defeat it. Awesome. So, yeah. I love it. I love it. A um, couple of questions. Just got a few minutes left, but 
Um, why, why is this important to talk about with the church? I think, I think for, for so long, the church hasn't talked about this sort of stuff. Um, yeah. And I think we're starting to get better at that. I think there's still a lot of work to do in, in regards to the church um, addressing issues of mental health, anxiety, emotions, all that sort of stuff like that. I think for us, we're coming out of this um, trying to demystify things and, and yeah. not be super spirit, not be super, um, sorry, not be superstitious, but be supernatural. Uh, right. I think so many times this particular issue can be put in the superstitious basket. Um, so can you help us understand why it is important that the church continue to talk about this? Yeah, well, I mean, um, a number of reasons. One is uh, just the increasing prevalence of mental health disorders, you know, with, the, yep. with COVID and what we're going through. Um, but also, you know, well, first, we, we also need to, you know, as, as Christians, we have... I believe the the answer to walking in peace, as I said, the God of peace, giving His mm -hmm. peace, and that we can have peace that passes all understanding. So we've we've got we've got the understanding of what we can do, and so we have the answers for people. And yeah. if we don't talk about this, I think we're going to be far, fastly become irrelevant, particularly in the next generation. My um, little sister in law was saying well, a few years back she went on a, a you know trip to Europe and. He said when staying in hostels, it wasn't, you know, just party zone. It was people drinking tea, talking about mental health. Like the, this next generation is talking about, I'm like, that's not the, yeah. the, the Europe trip that I knew growing up. Yeah, um, it's, totally. It's a different, like, this is a very meaningful conversation for millennials and below and a very relevant one. She said recently when they went back out, uh, you know, out at night and clubs and whatever after lockdown said every single one of her friends had social anxiety they had to go home and just and chill out so wow. it's if we're not talking about this um the church is 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 really irrelevant for the coming generation and and particularly as i said with what we're experiencing with covid um yeah. timothy keller in new york said that after 9 11 it took two years for the trauma of that event to hit his church two years Wow. We're now two years, uh, approaching two years after our first lockdown with COVID-related stuff. And that this isn't just been one traumatic event two years ago. This has been an ongoing state of adrenaline yeah. and trauma for us corporately around the world. And I don't think we're yet to see the effects of that because sometimes we mistake living with energy um, uh, with living with adrenaline so we think we're energized mm. we've got this we can do it but really it's that fight flight response going cry out got another variant wow another lockdown wow more restrictions ah oh, another friend we can't underestimate what that is doing to yeah. our souls so if we think we can just brush it off and move on uh, and just carry on and toughen up i think we're mistaken and so i think we mm. all need to be really aware over the next couple of years of what the toll of the last two years is going to take. I think it's in between the, the circumstantial and the clinical. I think we're all corporately experiencing something that's just a yeah. bit more than a bad circumstance. It's going to affect us in ways that we may not be aware of yet. And so if we're onto it and we're talking about it, then I think we're giving ourselves a real shot at walking out of this in a healthy way um, and not carrying trauma into generations. So I think it's, 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 just super important that we talk about this. Dude, that's a banging answer. Brilliant. Um, just finally, 
how do you know, how, how would someone know that they should go and seek professional care with their anxiety and mental health? If they're trying all this stuff um, and being proactive with their health and all that sort of thing, yeah. um, spiritually and otherwise, how do you know when it's time to seek professional care? Yeah, I, I think two answers. One is this, for people experiencing anxiety, depression, um, some other, uh, you know, uh, absence of mental health, um, whenever the discipleship tools that God has given us don't bring breakthrough, it's time to see someone who is just trained at connecting the dots and unlocking the human soul. So if you're praying, you're reading your Bible, you're talking to your, your you know, leaders, you're hanging around Christians that encourage you and you're doing what you know how, and you're within the, the space of discipleship journeys in the church and you're still not making any progress or not quite breaking through it's just madness to not see someone for me it's like it, yeah. it, for me i i've just renewed a mental health plan with my gp to avail of the the huge subsidy the government gives to see psychologists i'm checking in again even though i'm doing all right i'm just like this year i need to make sure that i'm on track and so um definitely when the normal stuff that god gives us doesn't work these people are trained and you know, there, there's probably bad psychologists around, but there's bad dentists. Mm. And just because we have a bad dentist, we go find a new one. We don't give up on dentists. So we find yeah. someone that works for us and we persist in that. Um, to check in, uh, you know, if this is a journey for you, even if you're doing all right, why stop it all right? Keep going. Mm. Talk to someone who knows the questions to ask, who can join the things together. And because this is for every Christian, right? I would also then extend it to any Christian who hits a roadblock in their commitment to become like Jesus. Mm. Um, so I, I was speaking to one of my team uh, and he's had this uh, imposter syndrome. He's wrestled with this imposter syndrome. It doesn't bring deep depression to him. It doesn't bring significant anxiety to him, but it stops him from walking into the fullness of what God has. It's been a wall that he's hit that I've tried to help him through for, for the last 18 months and it hasn't broken through. So I said, I think it's time to go see a psychologist who knows how to connect yeah. the dots with this sort of thing. And so yeah. I just think, um, uh, you know, if, if there's any stigma relate remaining in seeing mental health professionals, it has to be crucified once and for all. We see accountants to help us with finances or financial planning. We see, um, you know, as I said, healthcare professionals for our physical health, seeing a psychologist should be become part of the holistic approach to help us overcome things in our soul. And because even for me, when I started seeing someone mm. about this and they started going, okay, well, talk to me about your relationship with your parents. I'm like, oh, I've been through this. I don't need to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. But sure enough, he helped connect the dots in ways that I could never have imagined. And I'm still processing and walking those things out. So I think um, cool. probably more often than, than we would like to realize this would be a helpful thing for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Bro, thank you so much. Everything you've said has oh. just been tripping in gold and is super practical and helpful. Um, I think the whole point of what I guess we we're trying to achieve with this um, chat today was to identify that, you know, like you said, that, that Jesus promises his peace. Um, peace I live with you, my peace I give to you. Um, but there's a thing that can get in the way and it's called life. Um, yeah. And in such a high paced um, right. stress induced world, like we live in today, anxiety can be a massive um, blockage to 
receiving that piece. And so I think talking about that, taking away that taboo factor, um, you know, demystifying it and say, hey, it's just a thing that we all need to work on and get through and we face in various uh, levels and whether it's circumstantial or clinical or all things like that. I think it's so good just to address the elephant in the room. And I just thank you so much for okay. sharing your story, your wisdom, your research. Um, how can we find out more about your stuff? We mentioned the program that you've written. How do we get access to that if we want to find out more? Yeah, so um, I was releasing a, this course through C3 College as an individual course. They've changed their structure. So now through a subscription model with C3 College, that, that is part of the, the, the training um, curriculum available on there. And, and I mean, really, if, you, if you've, that would be a great thing to do. You know, there's so much resource on that website, c3college.com. Uh, check it out. I think it's probably $20 a month. But uh, also now that they've moved to the subscription uh, model, uh, I'm also going to release this course as a standalone course on another platform that I'll uh, announce on my personal social media pages in the next um, sort of few weeks. So, yeah. Brilliant. And what's your social handles? Oh, yeah. I, should, I, I can't even remember. No, Garth Ball. At Garth Ball on Instagram. Mostly Instagram these days. Yeah, at yeah, Garth Ball. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, bro. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your wisdom. I appreciate you sharing your heart and your story. Um, God bless you and your family and your churches uh, in all that you guys venture out into this year. So thanks so much. Thanks, much bro. Love to Anna and you, C3 Cops. Bless you guys. Awesome.